Hey, this is Beth with Beth and Louise Hate Movies.blogspot.com. Come check out the blog, leave us a comment on iTunes. Today is the Good Sex, Bad Sex edition of the show. We are going to look at the little watched film Dogtooth and the enthusiastically watched film Magic Mike. So if there's another movie you'd like to see us review, send us an email at Beth and Louise Hate Movies at gmail.com or just leave us a comment at the blog. bad sex good sex episode we're gonna start with a discussion of a bad sex movie and a good sex movie and this is our topic because we saw two movies we wanted to talk about and we couldn't think of anything else they had in common (laughs) there's nothing in common between the two movies we're going to discuss on the podcast today except that they both have a lot of sex in them and one is good sex and one is bad sex they have a lot to say about i I found as i was going through i think they had a lot to say about families and you know both had a lot to say about families and relationships and sexuality and nah let's wrap let's talk about this at the end let's just dive right in anyways uh so the first time First movie we're going to talk about is Dogtooth. Um, this is a 2009 Greek film. It's actually my first Greek movie. And, um, sorry? I think it's mine too. Yeah. And what actually inspired me, Louise, to look this movie up and propose it for our, our movie of the week is I don't know if you read the New Yorker article about homeschooling laws. Um, there's it was an article that was spotlighting Virginia's homeschool laws because Virginia is the only state in the US that does not require any government oversight for your your school your homeschool curriculum. So on one hand you get kids who are able to develop a really unusual talent from an early age like kids who start pursuing marine biology from age 11 and can really focus in on that. And then you get the family that was in the article where they had 12 kids and 11 of them were still illiterate. So uh, what we're going to talk about then is Dogtooth is an exploration of what happens when, like these families, you try to ensure that you are the only influence on your child's life. What happens then? And and the answer is incest. <laughs> What's the answer? movie the answer is incest? Lots and lots of incest. Incest all day long. <laughs> so the film, the film itself, we should be clear, yes, is a satire, or it is, from everything I've read, it is intended to be a satire, making fun of what happens when parents try too hard to control their children's influences and uh, are too predictive of their children and then the negative consequences of that. So the the actual, the film itself is a story of this family, a couple, um, a, a father and a mother who it's implied that the mother has experienced some sort of trauma in her life mm-hmm. that has made her so protective of her family. Um, and they set out then to protect their three children, who are all adolescents by the time the movie starts, from the outside world. So they have a fenced-in garden. The children are not permitted to leave the house in their garden. Um, and they are told that they can, their bodies are ready to leave the house when their canine teeth fall out. And they're able to, leave, to drive a car once those canine teeth grow back in. Yeah. To explain why the parents are able to leave the house and the children aren't. And... Their parents, the children are constantly lied to. They are given, uh, every time a plane flies overhead, um, sometimes the parents will throw toy planes into the garden and say that those are planes that have fallen out of the sky. They teach them the wrong words for different things so that they won't be able to communicate with the outside world. Uh, the kids never learn what a telephone is. 
all this to try to control them and keep them on the inside of the house. And the only one who really leaves the house is the father. Uh, he has a job and goes to work at a factory and no one really comes into the, into the house either, except for the instigator of the, uh, the downfall of the family, so to speak, when they bring home a security guard at the father's factory named Christina, who is essentially brought home to take care of the oldest son's sexual, sexual urge, you know, to blow off some steam, I guess. So, so there's one outside character is brought into the home every now and then to meet the sexual needs of the son. And other than that, no one else comes in or out of the house. And the children have no idea that there's a world outside of their household um, that even exists. So, Beth, what did you think of this movie? <sighs> I think if the topic sounds interesting to you at all, you'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's definitely it's definitely worth a watch if for no other reason than I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's extremely inventive the the ways that the the scriptwriter and the director come up with to to keep the kids isolated from the outside. We're calling them kids, but they're young adults. Um, I would bet they're supposed to be mid-teens to late-teens, the kids. Yeah, maybe even like, early 20s. Two years of each other. Maybe even maybe even the oldest daughter, daughter is sneaking into her 20s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're much older by the time this movie starts, which is good, because they spend a lot of time in the movie having sex with each other. It would be even weirder if they were children. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I guess my biggest question with this movie, and the reason why, so the instigating action is this Christina lady who the father keeps bringing home to sleep with the son, and then apparently in a moment of frustration, she instigates a kind of affair with the do- with the oldest daughter. Um, I guess my biggest problem with this movie, and therefore the entire plot, is why is Christina going for this? I did not understand her character at all. Yeah, okay, so let's first of all say there's going to be a lot of spoilers in this. So yeah. if you don't want the movie surprised for you, go watch it and then listen to the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, if you want to be surprised, don't want it spoiled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. If you, want, if you want to be surprised, go watch it, then come back and listen, because we will be talking about the conclusion of this film um, and a lot of the reveals from later in this film, um, as if you've already seen it. So we don't want to ruin this for anyone. Mm-hmm. But, no, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, I had no idea why – I had no idea why Christina did this, especially because she openly says in one scene that the reason why she's having the – she's having sex with the son is for his sake. It's for his, matru- like, maturation. Yeah. So he can have some sort of window into – adult sexuality has nothing to do with her. Yeah. Well, but, but that's the thing is that it's not, it's clear that she's not selfless because when, when he won't in the scene where he won't perform oral sex on her, she leaves in such a huff that she actually really takes advantage of the daughter and, you know, who clearly has no idea what, what is implied by her doing this in, in, in states that with her. So I just, I did not, and that normally it, Normally, having a problem with a, a supporting character's motivations wouldn't be a fatal flaw in the movie. But since it starts the whole thing, especially since the the, the older daughter's re- ultimate rebellion against the family and this kicking back against the 
protectiveness and oppressiveness is entirely fueled by Christina. Like she gets the movies from Christina and she gets the, the headband that she's, you know, she, she doesn't wear any clothes that her parents don't bring home. Like she gets that with that headband from her and she starts experimenting sexually because of things that she learns from Christina. I just, but why is I got no indication that Christina was worried about the kids and wanted to expose them to more of the outside world. If anything, she seems completely selfish, abusively, she's entirely self-centered. I mean, abusively so. Yeah, and she's. I mean, the whole reason she's there is because she's making money from it. Yeah, which made sense to me. I understood this being a job, so I didn't understand why she wanted to be more a part of this family than she already was. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't understand that relationship. But that brings me to the biggest thing I didn't understand about this movie, which is, okay, I thought this movie, the way they set it up, I thought this movie was going to feel like a fable in a lot of ways. That the big danger in the movie would be that these parents are so concerned about keeping their kids safe, they build every production they possibly can, and it's the safeties they set in place for them that end up being their own undoing. Mm -hmm. Just like... Do you remember that short story, Once Upon a Time? Yeah, yeah, it's built really similar, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was expecting was going to happen. And that wasn't really the downfall on the family. It was their bad planning around the sexuality of their kids. Yeah. Which brings me to my biggest problem in the film, which is I did not understand the sexual ethics of this family at no. all. No, no. And that's the thing, it's not, when you think about really ultra-protective families, you almost always think of it as having some kind of a religious component. But this just seemed to be kind of extreme and patriarchalism. Like this idea that men have this sex drive that has to be fueled at any cost, but that was just felt bizarre. Well, the, the thing that made no sense to me was that because I agree with you, I figured that controlling the children's sexuality would have been a component of controlling them as adults. And that, other, and that is, is part of the, the fundamentalist nature of this family, that all of their sexuality would be really repressed. Yeah. But it seems that the only taboo in this family is homosexuality. And yeah. everything else is game. Because at first, you know, when they start out and they bring the son... You know, the father is clearly going out of his way to bring this guard, Christina, home for his son to have a sexual outlet. And he's paying this guard to come home and fill that role. What I figured was, oh, there is a sex. There's something sexist at work here. Right. They are. They see the male sex drive as being important and the female sex drive as being not important, which is why they're, and they're repressing their daughter's needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then they decide three fourths of the way through the movie inexplicably that they're going to have that they're going to let the son start sleeping with the daughters yep. and he has to pick which one he's going to have sex but with. It has to be monogamous. Yeah. And I was I, I did not. I, I could not figure out this family's sexual ethic whatsoever. They 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 had no taboo against incest. They had no taboo against female sexuality, apparently. They had no taboo around any religious construction of what sexual ethics looked like. The only thing that was taboo was apparently homosexuality. Oh, and also they had no taboo against prostitution, clearly. Porn. You see the you see both the parents watching porn. Yeah, so they have no taboo against pornography. Yeah. And then also clearly against prostitution because they buy they pay for the security guard to come and have sex with their son. 
So halfway through the movie, once it becomes apparent that this guard who they're bringing home is not only having sex with the son, but is also having sex with the daughters, the father goes into a rage, goes to the security guard's home, and beats her violently, um, and and curses her because of the e- because he says the evil she's done to their family, and I couldn't figure out what the evil was. Yeah, because they have no problem with prostitution; they don't mind but trading. I think it was people. the videos, wasn't it? Because it's after the the flash dance scene where she she reenacts the dance from Flash Dance. So is that the evil? Or I she think it's the movies. So they don't care that she was having sex with her? Well, and that's because when she, if you're trying to find a context for why is this family doing this, um, when he, when the father beats up Christina, what he says to her is, I hope your children develop bad personalities from bad influences. So it seems that the ultimate goal is to raise the kids well and have no negative influences. So is the thing that they're primarily trying to shield people, their kids from culture? Like is, uh, yeah, maybe movies and music because they only listen to English. It's the movies in Greek, of course, because it's from Greece and they only listen to English music and they translate it, the music, the lyrics inaccurately into Greek. And it's the movies that they're restricting. So like they only watch their own family films and the dad freaks out when she starts watching, you know, basically 80s movies. It's Jaws and Rocky and Flashdance. Um, so is is that the big danger? So maybe this is the part I didn't get. Maybe it has nothing to do with maybe the the protectiveness has nothing to do with the sexual ethic of so, the family, so, and it's and the media influences. Okay, then maybe that's the biggest problem. Then is why is sex so front and center in this movie? Especially for a family that's so afraid of prote- of potentially harmful influences on their children. Yeah. Be- for a family who is, or for a movie that's trying to satirize the over-control of their children, this family is incredibly comfortable with their children's sexual expression across all, all taboos. <laughs> it's a total free-for-all. <laughs> yeah. You can have sex with whatever gender you would like, and people in your own family, and you can watch pornography, and you can buy sex if you would like it. Like, all of that is totally acceptable in the moral universe of this family, but not apparently watching flash dance. Yeah, like, that's the one thing that's okay. That's the one thing you can do with abandon is sex, which seems like a massive inconsistency with what they're trying to satirize. Yeah. So... I, you know, maybe maybe it's the wrong approach to try to make sense of this movie because it is so clearly fanciful. Um, but uh, I'm not trying to make sense of it in terms of it being realistic or not. Well, it's understanding. It's an over, it's a hyperbolic satire. But I think my biggest problem with the way that sex is portrayed in this movie is that it's not. It becomes a. It is so front and center, and so much of this movie is devoted to the sex lives of the three children that it, it becomes a real distraction from the satire itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much of this movie is spent on looking at how these kids satisfy their sexual desires in the context of their own family. Mm-hmm. 
To the point that other things in the story that are not developed at all. So, for example, I would figure that two parents who are entirely obsessed with keeping their children at home and protecting their children from any outside influences and sheltering their children in any way possible, if, for example, a child of theirs went missing, that they would be in a hysterical panic. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the movie, when the oldest daughter finally breaks away and escapes, they seem pretty nonchalant about the whole thing. Yeah. The dad goes to work the next day. Things just kind of hum along as normal. I have no problem with them portraying sexuality way, se- sexuality the way they did in this film from an ethical point of view in terms of what you can put on TV and what you can't. Mm-hmm. But just in terms of it doesn't make sense within the world of this story. No. Well, and then... Seems like a bad storytelling choice. It also, especially because plot-wise, the only thing that's really necessary is that clearly the standout character in the movie, like the most three-dimensional character, is the oldest daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, None of the kids have names, by the way. It's not that we forgot them. (laughs) We we don't know them because they aren't named. They call them the eldest daughter and the youngest daughter and the son. They just call them the oldest daughter, who is temporarily just called Bruce in the movie because they start calling her after the shark because that's what she has to be called. But, um, the shark in Jaws. But, um, which is really strange because they never call the shark Bruce in the movie Jaws. Plot hole. Anyways, um, but, don't worry about it. Uh, but anyways, um, she's clearly supposed to be the most. They they start setting her apart as the most significant character of the children early on. Like I think that it, the first time you see them, they're playing that endurance game where they're trying to hold their hand out of the hot water the fastest, mm-hmm. and she loses. And then they're in the pool and they're trying to hold their breath for the longest, and she loses. So it just seems like she has more of a she has a lower pain threshold than everyone else in the family. Like she just can't put up with this as long as everyone else can. And, um, which is, which is a really interesting dynamic. Like there's just something about her that just can't put up with this. And I, I guess I would have liked to see that part of her get more attention. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if the whole, the whole sexual dynamic between her and Christina and then her and her brother and her and her sister, I don't know if that's just supposed to, like, put fuel on the fire. Like, she just can't, she has this kind of awareness that she's being victimized and she just can't take it anymore. Because that's the thing that ultimately drives her to run away, mm-hmm. is um, the first time she sleeps with her brother. Um, so, so I don't, but it's, but it's it, it, yeah, it, it's not necessary. It doesn't have to be, san- that development doesn't have to be sanctioned by her parents. Like you just you you just need some ingredient that makes the situation intolerable for her, and it seems like she already has that with the you know she's more curious. With the capacity for pain or the stifling of her artistic expression because they won't permit her to dance. Yeah, or um her her compassion on people who don't break people who break the rules like they're. Her parents make up this brother that ran away, and they say that he lives outside the fence, outside of the fence, and because he's been banished because he he wouldn't listen. And she throws food to him over the fence, like you know, the guy who's not there. So, um, but yeah, like she has compassion on people who who don't fit in, and she, I, I think that she could have been a lot more interesting if the director wasn't so obsessed with the freak show. 
of what's going on between the siblings. Yeah, just like this constant freak show of having to show the siblings having sex with each other. Yeah, like, I kind of wanted her to. I, I wanted to see. I wanted to see more of the contours of her character. Yeah, oh. and, and also in contrast with her siblings, because she's the only character in the entire movie who changes at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even then in a very shallow way, because you don't really know anything about her. Yeah. yeah, overall, this film just wastes so much of its screen time. You know, elbowing you in the ribs, like, isn't this gross? Isn't this gross? These kids are having sex with each other and their siblings. Isn't it gross? Well, and the sisters even look so much alike that sometimes it's hard to tell which one is which. Because they have no personality difference until the last 20 minutes of the film. Yeah, so why why not pull back and develop that older sister in contrast to the brother and younger sister the whole time? Um... I, I do have to ask, and this is major spoilers right here. Do you think she died at the end? I did not think so. I thought she died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Just from being in the car? Because the car was running in the last scene. But why would she have died of carbon monoxide poisoning? She wasn't in the garage. But, she, I mean, yeah, I don't know. From being, the only way she, like, that doesn't make any sense. She was never in an enclosed space. I thought the last, okay, so if you haven't seen it and you don't want it ruined for you, shut this off now. Anyway, the film ends that the daughter who, the eldest daughter who has finally decided she's going to break away from the family, smashes out her own canine tooth with a dung bell. Yeah. In a delightful scene. Um, I actually really liked that scene. When she smiles in the mirror. Um, okay, okay, that makes it sound like I enjoyed it. Um, I really liked it because I thought that that was really the first transcendent moment of character development. It was like her, you really see her coming into her own. Well, it was the first time in the entire film we'd seen a character want something and pursue it. Yeah. Just because the film, the film was mostly a great backdrop for a good story that someone needed to think of. Yeah. Because there's a lot of developing the world they lived in and not developing any individual characters within it. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally agree. That was, that was actually a compelling scene. It was the first time we saw a character in the film want something and pursue it. So the eldest daughter breaks out her canine tooth with a dumbbell in the bathroom to signify that she is now ready to leave the home, grins in the mirror with her, like, bloody stump of a tooth missing, and then goes and hides in the father's car the trunk of his car so that when he leaves the next day she will get to go with him and go out into the outside world now that her body is ready because she has lost her dog tooth mm-hmm. i don't see the anything. movie well, the, and then the movie he goes to he he, go, he you see him go off and then the last shot is on the running car outside the car is left running it's parked outside of the factory and the camera just lingers on the trunk of a car, and then the movie is over. I mean, so, she is in, presumably still in the trunk. We don't know if she is alive or dead. We don't know if she gets out or not. Nothing. You know what this film reminded me a lot of? Mm-hmm. Cachet, that Michael Hanukkah film. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what the end scene reminded me of. Yeah. Like, leaving a... Like, cutting the film off ten seconds before the climax of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, because... And that's the thing. is like, there's no way she could have gotten out. 
Okay, here's what I didn't like about the ending. Oh. Okay. Like I said, I thought the ending of the movie was going to have some uh, was going to feel like a fable. That there was going to be some the parents were going to have to pay for what they had done to their children because their desire to keep them safe had finally ruined the family, which would have been really fitting if she died. Like in her desperation to escape, she managed to kill herself accidentally. And then her parents had to face the fact that the choices they made actually was the undoing of their family, not the preservation of it. Yeah. And by never allowing us that payoff, the movie feels like it has no point. It has nothing to say about its subject matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and then her arc is left incomplete. Because we see her get in the trunk. We have no idea if she's successful or not. I don't understand ending it there except for to say that you ended the film in a really asshole kind of way. <laughs> and other than that, there was nothing accomplished by ending it the way it did. Yeah. We should... We, as the viewers, had the right to see what happened from there and to complete the story arc for her and for her parents, who had who had made this decision to imprison their their children yeah. and to find out if they are vindicated for their decision or if they are punished for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bad plot structure, just a bad choice. So, also, would you recommend this? I would recommend this to anyone who is interested in experimental cinema. Yeah. You'll never, I've never seen anything like it. No, and the premise is really fascinating. Yeah. I recommend it with the caveat that it is a film that is not interested in character development, and in that, in that sense it feels very much like satire. Mm-hmm. It is much more interested in the weirdness of its own universe than it is in developing its characters. Yeah. Um... And it's also for not for not for the squeamish about sexuality. There are lots of scenes of incest. I can hear your cat. <laughs> oh, sorry. Flannery, Flannery was also a fan of this movie. Actually, Flannery would not fare well in this movie. By the way, if you don't no, like cruelty to animals. I would not let Flannery watch this movie. No. Um, there is a scene of cruelty against a cat. Which I'm not a fan of. I'm a bit of a cat lover. Yeah, I am too. So, so yeah, I say I say check it out. If if this review has piqued your interest, I definitely think you'll get something out of this. It's it's worth checking out. If for no other reason than hey, support Greek cinema. I've never seen a Greek movie before. So yeah, God knows Greek needs our help. Greece needs our help. So yeah, get out there. It's on Netflix. It's streaming. You know, there's there's worse ways you can spend an hour and a half. It'll give you something to think about, watch with your friends. It'll give you something to talk about. And um, it might cause you to lose those friends. But, hey, sometimes it's worth it. So, uh, yeah, Dogtooth. Uh, yeah. Let's check it out. It's on Netflix now. Go watch Dogtooth. That's less like Dogtooth than any other movie we can think of, but we wanted to talk about it. But we watched them both in one week, and therefore they're related. <laughs> so, so, Beth and I watched two movies this week. We watched Dogtooth, which we told you all about, and we also watched Magic Mike, because why the hell not? 2012 summer movie, Channing, uh, Soderbergh directing, Channing Tatum, um, Olivia Munn, uh, Matthew McConaughey, uh, am I forgetting anybody? Not sure, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, the junior stripper. <laughs> so yeah, 
This is um this is based loosely on Channing Tatum's memoirs of his stripping days before he was an actor. He worked in a strip club, and uh, this is a script that he worked on about his experiences in the theater. It's a bit of a cautionary tale, exploring the pitfalls of show business. <laughs> what? Yeah, sure, that's what it's about. Yeah, it's kind of marketed that way. Um, can we talk about this really briefly? Um, you know, it's obviously what we're most interested in when we're talking about movies are, you know, plot, character, acting, cinematography, script. Can we talk about this just really quickly as a as a spectacle and not as a film? Yeah, this is just an awesome movie. This is the best movie I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> the greatest film of all time. I, I want to be nominated for every Oscar. It's a, the podcast is over. We have found the only movie worth watching. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't hate movies anymore. We like this one. Every studio can close its doors. This is this is the very last word in filmmaking. Um, this is uh, yeah, we uh. We we really dug this. <laughs> we enthusiastically approve of this film. And this actually leads me to what one of my friends told me his theory about this film was. His theory is this film is actually a giant conspiracy on the part of men to get women really horny um, for the benefit of men across America. Um, Which is probably accurate. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Mission accomplished. We so approve of this movie. Say, if if you're if you're listening to the show and you're saying, but Beth and Louise, I'm not really into that kind of thing. Yes, you are. Yes, yes you are. are. Yes, you are. I don't care if you're into men or not. I don't care if you're a straight dude. I don't care if you're a lesbian. <laughs> Just p- pick this movie up. Just trust us. Just trust us. It might change your mind. Um, and uh, I I've I've never been to a strip club. Um. I've never seen a I've never uh, seen a male stripper. Um, from what I have heard, so, somehow I really doubt that a strip club in Tampa, which is where this movie is set, would actually be this um, awesome, <laughs> clean, well kept, and uh, and classy. But I'm kind of glad that they're not because if they were, this would be all I did. <laughs> you know, we would never leave. <laughs> I would, yeah. I, I I would not be recording a podcast right now. I would be at the strip club. <laughs> Was Channing Tatum stripped full time in Memphis? With, yeah, with with my ones. Uh, yeah, <laughs> all night ordering breakfast specials all night long. But um, anyway, I, I just enthusiastically approve of this movie existing. Sorry, I just enthusiastically approve of the, approve it, of this movie existing. It is. It is. It's. 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 It's worth it. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> so rent it. Don't. I, I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, don't watch Dog Tooth, which is and, not sexy. Watch Magic Mike. Which is <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's our um. That that's our reptilian brainstem <laughs> reaction to this movie. Oh, uh, do we actually have to think about this movie now? <laughs> so that's a, that was just going with our gut. That was um it, that that's our that's our knee jerk reaction to the greatest film of all time. But uh, well, okay, do you know why that's our knee jerk reaction? Why? Because not a damn thing is happening in this film <laughs> other than that. What well, yeah. the film accomplishes and does well is naked men, which is fine. I'm totally fine with that. But I also want to tell that part. <laughs> I love reading reviews of this movie as if this film.
film has anything important to say about anything. It actually is well shot, I thought. Okay. Maybe it's just because the... Well shot isn't like... Because they do a really good job of lingering on very attractive naked... Picks up some extraordinary images. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's well shot. But so are most pornos. Like, what the... <laughs> they are not like them. <laughs> in the capacity that this is, yes. In terms of they know what you want to look at, and then they zoom in on that. I, I thought... Okay. How is this film... How is this film artistic? Like, does this film contribute at all to an art... An artistic conversation about films? Okay, I'm gonna try. I'm going to really try, okay? Mm-hmm. I uh, Here's the first thing I noticed about this while, while I was sitting down preparing for this podcast and taking my notes. I actually think it's a little funny that we called this our good sex movie of the week because there's actually no sex in this movie. Uh, at the beginning, Channing Tatum wakes up next to those two ladies. Okay, that's it. Uh, <laughs> other, than the, other than all the sex, <laughs> there's no sex. But, but I mean, uh, uh, that, but that's, it's not like most of the sexuality on display is only on stage. That's it, true. You, there's not a sex scene in this movie, I don't think. No, all, I can't think of one. For how raunchy this movie is, all of the sexuality is performative. It's, yeah. It's men dancing on stage around other men and then simulating sex on women who are paying them to do so in a very performative sense. But yes, it's very stylized. Um, it's it's very performative. Playful. Yeah, it's it's very glitzy. Um, and I guess that's why I think that what's most interesting about this movie is how, and hear me out, how weirdly wholesome it is. <laughs> I, I actually did said the same thing. Yeah. This is a bizarrely wholesome film. And you know, part of it, at least the first hour and a half of this movie, there is no conflict. Yeah. There's no conflict. Everybody's happy. It's everybody wins. And I guess that, you know, there's two reasons why I thought this movie felt so wholesome. First is the character of Mike himself. You cannot find a more all-American, good old boy... He's an on- he's a capitalist. He's an entrepreneur. No, like, he he is ridiculous. Like he's charming. He's charismatic. He's respectful. He's a, he's a roofer. <laughs> he's a blue collar, hardworking. Hey, you know, he he's saving up money. He's got a savings account. He wants to take out a loan to start a business. Like, you cannot find a more ludicrously wholesome main character. And like he just so happens to be a stripper. It's just that's just what he does. Yeah. And and then the other part of it too is that stripper you wanted to take home to meet your mom. Yeah, no, he, he totally is. He totally is. Um, and the the other part of it is that the stripping scenes are so, and there there are plenty. Don't do do not worry. They, uh, all I will, I, can I say really fast though? While Beth was watching this, so I watched it a couple weeks before Beth did and told her to do so. And while Beth was watching it, she texted me and said that she thinks it should be sold in a. Uh, Special edition version without the plot. <laughs> I can only get the stripping scenes, which I love. I'm sorry, go ahead. It, it should have been just a 45 minute music video. But anyways, um, the stripping scenes are so stylized and choreographed. So I mean, 
It's not the it's all the stripping scenes are not about sex, they're about sex and like it's all very themed. Like the first time we see the the boys in action, they've all got their trench coats on and they've got umbrellas and they're dancing to its ringing men. So it always feels like the sex is the sexual aspect is kind of an afterthought. Like it feels like a show choir performance that where they just have you know, there there's just a there's just a costume reduction halfway through the number. You know, so it's and I don't know if this is just part and parcel of kind of the way we think about female sexuality in our culture, that it, it has this it, it has this air of you as the audience and then the the audience in the film. No one's there to be gratified in every any way. They're more there to be entertained. And the fact that it happens to be raunchy is just kind of part of the fun. You know? Mm-hmm. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it does. Like every dance number in the movie has a theme. Like there's soldiers for um, you know, Fourth of July, and there's they've got trench coats and mist and umbrellas for its raining men, and it, yeah, there's there's always a gimmick to it. So it's more we're gonna come out and do this dance number. It does sort of feel like Glee, but with more nakedness. Yeah, yeah, but and that's well for one thing is that no one ever gets 100 percent naked because I think that's kind of how. That, well, at least I, we don't show naked bodies in American film. What? Because we don't show naked That's male part, bodies. Yeah, and then I actually did a, in Illinois at least, you are not allowed to uh, take everything off, and a, a stripper cannot take everything off. Um, it's it's illegal, but it's it's apparently illegal. I googled it, but anyways, um. So yeah, but I think I see a lot of lawbreakers in here tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew McConaughey. Thank you, Matthew McConaughey. But um, yeah. So it says it it doesn't ever really feel sorted, you know. That's like, true. Especially the first time when like, they all like rip off their trench coats and it's just you know it's just, they rip off their trench coats and they've got vests and pants on. <laughs> like, you're, not, you're not stripping. You're you're taking off your extra layers. That's true. That's true. And you're right. Like that's all part of the wholesomeness of it. Yeah. And there's these endearing scenes where uh, Magic Mike and the one kid whose name I don't remember and I don't care about. Junior stripper is what I'm Junior stripper boy. He's junior are... stripper in my notes. Okay. <laughs> and they are just, like, are swimming together and he shyly says, like, I think we should be best friends. <laughs> it's, it's so wholesome. It's so charming. There are no, there's no conflict. Everyone's happy and living the high life and not getting entirely naked and having loads of fun. And there are no problems until out of nowhere, there's, they decide like, God, we should have a plot or something. Junior Stripper does tons of ecstasy. <laughs> like, the, I really do feel like they shot this movie in chronological order and made it up as they were going. Yeah. Because it really does feel at about an hour and a half in, they're suddenly like, oh my gosh, you know we forgot? We forgot the plot! Oh, we're so dumb. So, Junior Stripper Boy inexplicably decides he's going to start selling drugs. This is like the room. He's making so much money. There's no motivation. Like, every time we see him, he's waving fistfuls of cash that adoring women have stuffed in his thong. Like, he doesn't need to sell pills. He's gone from rags to riches. And giving up the rags because he's not very clothed anymore. And then he says he's going to start selling drugs, which is the start of this conflict because he loses a bunch of drugs in this one house, apparently, which, spoiler alert, although the spoiler, there is no spoiler because it doesn't really have a plot. 
is that Magic Mike is such a good dude, he bails him out and gives up his fortune to help him not be in debt over drugs or whatever. The, the plot is so thinly conceived and so not foreshadowed at all. Yeah. The, the plot is basically just run down real simple. Like the plot is essentially that Mike finds this. It, it's like league of their own stripping. He is finds this guy and just like, I saw something. At you. <laughs> 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 he sees this kid who just has the look apparently. And, um, and they, <laughs> Oh yes, he does. <laughs> he has the look. He has the look. And they just like throw him out on and he brings him to the strip club with him and he throws the kid out on stage and the kid is, you know, apparently has like the God-given charism of stripping. And, uh, he was touched Not by- really though, because that first thing where he strips is so awkward. He's like, take off your clothes. And he looks like he's in a locker room. Well, he like, take, he, like unties his shoes. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> so, so he's... Mike is essentially shepherding this young stripper through the ranks, and in the at the same time he falls in love with the young stripper's sister, who the young stripper lives with. And this was actually my biggest problem with the movie is the love interest character, the junior stripper's sister, who is played by Olivia Munn. Two is things, really? What? Olivia Munn was the the friend with benefits. But they clearly, like, start... Wait, no, wait, sorry, what? I think Olivia Munn is the friend with benefits. Remember that girl who, like, has sex with him at the beginning, and she can't remember the girl's name? Friends with benefits with who? Uh, Magic Mike. Remember how he's got that one girl who reappears? Oh, but they're, but they're... Clearly supposed to be starting something at the end. No, you're thinking of a different character. Am I seriously? Olivia Munn's character is the dark-haired woman who. She, oh, yeah, you're totally right. You're I'm mixing him up. Okay, who there's okay then there's the love interest who's the junior. The love interest who's you don't need to learn this actress's name because she will never do anything else again ever. She just sits there. But, okay. She's so, such a bad actress. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is right. I completely messed that up. Um. So, anyways, Mike is bringing Junior Stripper up through the ranks, and he falls in love with Junior Stripper's sister, who lives with Junior Stripper. I have two giant problems with this character. First and foremost, her disapproval makes no sense whatsoever. Like, we, we have no... She she doesn't really disapprove of the fact that her brother is a stripper now as much as she's just kind of a generic killjoy. Like she 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 never says anything to the effect of I think you're wasting your potential or you know I I think that one day you know when you're when you age out of this job you may come to regret the time you invested in stripping. It's more just she just sits in the back of the strip club and man I, I do not approve of stripping. It's just brown. About plot points. And she is so cold to Magic Mike, which I'm sorry, but if if Magic Mike from this movie was interested in me, I would be stabbing other women in the throat to get to him. <laughs> like I do not, I do not understand why she rebuffs him so much because she has no she has no clear reason to be opposed to the 
to the the profession of stripping. It's not like she has any moral. She she gives no signs of having any moral reasons for not liking this. Like she just she's just kind of a wet blanket. That's <laughs> like, a bummer. She's a bummer. And then the other thing too is clearly nobody in this movie involved in the production of this movie has a brother because there is no part of me that believed that. If you were living with your brother in your early 20s and you discovered that he had... Okay, here's how she discovers that he has taken on stripping as a second job. She finds a box full of sequin thongs and penis pumps and other stripping regalia. And she knocks on his bedroom door and says, Hey, I just want to talk to you about the stuff I found. I'm not going to judge you. Louise and I have a brother... I cannot think of something I would be less likely to say to my brother if I found that box in his house that I want to talk to you about. I really want to talk about your thong. No! I love you, Daniel. I love you. I'm never going to judge you. Please tell me about your assless chap. Please, please, please put the lid on this box, put it in your room, and guarantee I will never see it again. And the other thing, too, is, okay, so she's trying to be the good, she, she goes to the club, she's trying trying to be the good sister and check this out, make sure he's not getting taken advantage of, you know, feel out the place, make sure his boss isn't a creep. Okay, you know, that's that's a good sister thing to do. You know, like, your your brother gets a job in a field that's not exactly known for being upstanding. You go to the club to make sure things are as up, on the up and up as they possibly can be. I would have a very detailed schedule in my hands to make sure that when my brother was on stage, I was in the next state. And yeah. she just, and she doesn't, yeah. like, she doesn't go and talk to the dancers and the owner and then check out. She sits there with the same sort of wet blanket, disapproval, pouty look on her face, watching her own brother strip for women as she does when everyone else is on stage. See. This is, okay, here's my theory. This movie is the sequel to Dogtooth. <laughs> 30 years after Dogtooth. This is the sequel. They move, the brother and sister, they're, when their parents die, they move to America. The brother becomes a stripper. They're still really comfortable with each other's nakedness. They have totally proved because of the sexual complications of their families. They, they, they sadly lack the robust incest taboo that Louise and I have. <laughs> so it's a sequel. Uh, sorry? It's a sequel. I did not get her character at all. All she did was pout and have a weird, not very sisterly relationship with her brother, and at the end does this about face where, you know, Channing Tatum comes to her and in the most roundabout way of flirting ever, she he asks if she wants to go get some food, and she wants to go to a diner that doesn't open for seven hours and says, what can we do with seven hours? And I guess she's 
seven hours of sex, even though she was very disapproving of the whole escapade just a few days earlier. So. That's what this time is for. See, it's a sequel of Dog Juice. That is the only rational explanation. Yeah. With no, our seven hours, we can do weird dances to classical guitars, <laughs> and we can have incestuous sex. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I just... So if you if you just took every scene with that girl out of the movie, if you took every scene in the movie where people are talking, and uh, if you just edited those out and made this a 45-minute-long music video, you'd have a pretty solid work of art on your hands. It would be a, a substantially better film. And I'm so tired of reading reviews where people are trying to justify liking this film for reasons other than wanting to look at Channing Tatum with his clothes off. Yeah. Nothing interesting is happening here other than that. Yeah, it's well shot. Just because like, Oscar nominated more well shot than a good quality porn. Well, and just because Oscar nominated actors and directors are involved in the making of this does not mean that it is an Oscar contender. Like it's a it's a fluff piece. It's a it's a it's kind of a musical. I would almost describe it as like it has the totally. It's a lot like a musical. Like the big. The pacing of the movie is set along big set pieces set to music where people dance and don't talk. Like it's paced like a musical. It's um, the plot is a lot like a musical. You it's got that weird cautionary tale element to it. Yeah, for sure. But, it actually does. You're right. The genre in terms of genre, it feels a lot like a musical. Yeah. We'll randomly stop the plot for performance sequences. Yeah, like, it feels a lot like Chicago. That combination of you know, beware of the bright lights in big city, and yeah, and uh, yeah, jazz and liquor and. Ecstasy and sorority houses. Take you away from <laughs> jazz and, and liquor. That's what I was thinking of. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty derivative on the plot front, but I I wholeheartedly <laughs> endorse this movie. I run over your grandmother to see this. Um, yeah, yeah. Watch it. Don't watch Dog Tooth. Actually, I I think we should just shut shut down the cast right now and just watch it again. Yep, I'm actually probably gonna just YouTube the highlights. That's that's what I was gonna do. Actually, I'm uh, it's uh, it's about that time where I watch scenes from Magic Mike and go to bed. So, <laughs> all right. Well, any reviews we mentioned in the podcast, we'll have linked to on the website. Yeah. Um, if you have any films you want us to review, post them in comments as well. Yeah, uh, that's all I got. Beth, you got any parting words? No, just skate on over to Beth and Louise Hate Movies dot blogspot dot com. Leave us a comment. Uh, go to the iTunes store. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're scandalized by Magic Mike or Do- Dog Tooth, don't say you weren't warned. <laughs> we told you. <laughs> we you, you had ample warning. So uh, check it out. See what you think. And uh, yeah, take care. We're out. All right. Bye.